This week, our executive producer, Adam Gobeski, suggested we put on our 3D glasses and watch the 2009 blockbuster Avatar. But we decided to put on our non-prescription hipster glasses instead and watch Wes Anderson's fantastic Mr. Fox with our good friend, Arnaldo Lopez. Welcome to Cinematic Respect. I'm your first co-host, Jessica Clares. And I'm your second co-host, Charlie Wallace. Hey, Jessica. Hey, Charlie. So actually, in the process of getting our recommendation for this week, I mentioned to our executive producer that we're actually going to be watching Fantastic Mr. Fox instead. And uh, there's a couple of choice words he had (laughs) for this film. The first was that he could just cussing watch Fantastic Mr. Fox if you wanted a bad movie recommendation. (laughs) He also said the book was a childhood favorite, and he didn't need some quirky, ironic bull cuss thrown in to make it all hipster-friendly, with music and numbers and leisure suits and other pointless nonsense. And he also called it a flaming pile of dog cuss. <laughs> so really, really embracing, embracing yeah, the, the that, use that of, wasn't of verbatim. Cuss. There was other. <laughs> there were some other things. <laughs> there was in some there. difference in the way that I I ah, stated that. Oh, okay. But this week we actually decided to watch the movie. Fantastic Mr. Fox, and our guest today is Arnaldo Lopez. Welcome to the show. Hi there. Thanks for having me. No Thanks problem. for coming. So, Arnaldo, uh, we talked a little bit ahead of time, and you're a big fan of Wes Anderson movies in general, but this is one you hadn't seen. That is correct. Um, I didn't really know what to expect. I, I'm a big fan of Wes Anderson's movies, and, you know, it's a general rule. I, I like them, and this is probably one of the few movies of, of his that I never watched before so i didn't know what to expect did you think it was going to be any different because it was animated exactly and that's basically one of the things that kept me from watching the movie in the first place like well it doesn't sound like real wes anderson's movie i don't know what to expect mm-hmm. is this a children's <laughs> movie or something um so when we, when i went over the list of wes anderson's movies i was like well this is the only one i haven't seen really the only one out of all of the well episodes? yeah i've pretty much seen most of it Impressive, but I have not seen it either, and so uh, I actually wasn't wasn't really sure what to expect either. But um, yeah, the basic the basic story is that you have Mr. Fox, you know, fantastic Mr. Fox, who's uh, voiced by George Clooney. He is wild. He uh, is a poultry thief, <laughs> for lack of a better term, um, and he has a wife uh, who's voiced by Meryl Streep. And uh, you know, he likes danger. He likes the adventure of of stealing. And uh, in the process of, of one of their kind of closer scrapes, they get caught in a fox trap. And that is when she tells him that she's pregnant. And she makes him promise that, you know, he'll he'll give up his, his thieving ways. Uh, and so then the movie kind of hops forward in time a few years. So they, you know, they live underground. He has a stand-up job at the newspaper. Um, his son is kind of an awkward, I don't know if they're trying to say he's like junior high, high school aged, somewhere yeah, in there. Yeah, from like 12, 13. Huh? Something like that, yeah. Kind well, of a- no, it's fox years, right? Yes. <laughs> so it was two human years? Yes. Was which it is nine? 14? Yeah, I don't remember. Fox I, was years? it seven? Did they say it was seven? I don't know. You could do the conversion, <laughs> and I don't remember what it was. I don't remember what they said, if it was seven or nine years to a whatever. But anyway, so they're a little family. And so he moves them uh, against the uh, directive of his lawyer, um, Mr. Badger, voiced by Bill Murray, into a tree that is bordering three giant farms. It's too good of an opportunity for him. He can't. He can't resist. Uh, and so he does like one big score at each of their places with with his sidekick, um, 
the opossum. Anyways, um, but obviously there's dire consequences. And so things kind of uh, devolve <laughs> into a war. And um, yeah, you kind of learn some things about... Learn some valuable lessons. Yes, valuable lessons. <laughs> there's some questions to me whether he had really learned any valuable lessons <laughs> by the end or not. Exactly. But we'll but get to that They in a all bit. live. That's they all, all like, there you go. There's yeah, a spoiler I guess that's for the you. Part when yes, you're a they wild all live. And, uh, and there you go. <laughs> and the entire movie is stop motion with mm-hmm. puppets, surprisingly. I was trying to figure out, like, oh, is this kind of claymation? But no, there was, I think, over a thousand puppets. Really? Made for the production of this movie. And I think one, over 100 of them were Mr. Mr. Fox. Fox. Yeah. Wow. So it was a lot of <laughs> put a puppet down, move it slightly, take a shot, move it slightly again. I don't know and how just, you do that. I mean, they had to no. take, I mean, I don't know how many years they were in production, but. Several. Yeah, definitely yeah. several years. I think it was like mid 2000s or something when they started talking about production for this movie. So it, it took a while. But... You have to be a very patient person to do stop motion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Wes Anderson was attached to this. And the question that I'm sure Arnaldo had was, is this really a Wes Anderson movie? And I think... I think it's a very Wes Anderson movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it sounds like Adam Gobeski thinks so too. Oh, yeah. No, he. So his opinion comes from the fact that he loved the book so much growing up that he just didn't want Wes Anderson to have any part of it. He doesn't... Got it. He's not a big fan of Wes Anderson. He thinks that Wes Anderson is responsible for at least a non-zero percentage of the hipsters that exist today. <laughs> And he's definitely right. I said it was probably about 10%. So. I, I mean, sure. I don't know. I mean. <laughs> There's definitely that aesthetic, I, I think, that he helped that, bring about. I suppose. But I don't know. I, I also understand, though, like, I, I so I am not familiar with this particular uh, Roald Dahl book. Um, but I, I definitely feel protective of things that were cherished as a child, like somebody kind of putting their own spin on it. You're just like, no, 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 you're ruining it. Don't touch it. And so I, under, I, I, I can empathize with it. I liked the movie, though, so, right. you know. Because as soon as Wes Anderson puts his hands on something, it's going to be his own, which you clearly see here. But I thought it worked I thought it worked well. But again, mm-hmm. I'm not familiar with the source material. Had you ever read the book, Arnaldo? I've never read the book. I mean, I just learned that it was a children's book. I mean, I have the benefit of not being born in this country, so I don't have to know <laughs> every single children's book you guys read. Um, that's, that's, that's true. That wasn't part of the, the first thing you did when you moved here? What? <laughs> that was not on the list. <laughs> So it's it's all done in yellows and oranges. The sort of it's the standard Wes Anderson palette, yeah, I think. Palette like seventies aesthetic. Seventies aesthetic, I think. But I don't know that I. I think the first time I saw a Wes Anderson movie, I associate it with with a seventies feel. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that I do that anymore. Um, oh. I don't know that it necessarily reminds me of seventies. It's just it's just a very consistent color palette, and it's it's kind of these muted autumny tones. I don't know. It's I, I almost feel like you're not supposed to be able to tell what time period exactly it's taking place in. Yeah. That yeah. it's a little bit universal. Um, and I feel that way. I mean, with all of with all of his films, that there may be a little bit more of a 70s vibe or there's certain uses of technology that will show up. But in general, he tries to steer clear from that. So his aesthetic is kind of thrown all over this film. And from the clothes, so I was looking up the illustrations from the original book and the characters definitely wear clothes. In fact, I was looking at what Badger wore, and it looked very similar to maybe what he wears in the movie. But Mr. Fox wore more of like a uh, dapper sort of 18th or like mm. early 19th century garb. Yeah, and mm-hmm. So there's definitely some changes there. Mm-hmm. And definitely like the musical choices. It's very Wes Anderson, too. You get the Rolling Stones in there, which is not something you'd necessarily think of for, for a children's Adapta- adaptation book. Adaptation of a children's book? Yeah. 
But I guess I kind of appreciated that. There were some Beach Boys, and Rolling Stones. <laughs> and... Um, I also enjoyed, I mean, the standard, um, the way that Wes Hutcherson likes to tell a story where you, you back up and you see things from far away. Here's the farm from a good distance. Oh, and yeah. then there's text that will come over on the screen mm-hmm. that'll, you know, inform you of something or whatever, and then move on in kind of this this piece thing. I mean, it was very consistent, at least with yeah. the other Wes Anderson movies. That's a good way to describe all these uh, master plans he had. So mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Everything is master plan A fails. You can always go for the next master plan. <laughs> <laughs> always hopes to have a map, and if you place an X, <laughs> then you know where you need to end up. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> it's true. There was a lot of that. There was like the whack bat game where they had they had the uh, diagram of oh, like sure. all the different moves or whatever that they had to make, and there was the the painting that Mrs. Fox was was making of the, the was it the sewer system or the the neighborhood. Well, it was, and then it also showed kind of the the plan of attack to for right. dealing with the town. But yeah, I mean, they were updating all of that. So yeah, there was a lot of like plan drawing and uh, diagrams. Yeah, no, she was yeah. a very accomplished painter, right? Mm, yes. Yeah, yeah that's true. That was kind of a nice subtle thing they had in the background was that she liked to paint uh, pastorals with lightning. She liked thunderstorms. <laughs> yeah. And they never explained why. I thought that was kind of, mm. I kept waiting yeah. to find out like if there was some, I don't know, something happened when she was a kid or something like some crazy storm. But no, we never addressed it. That's just her thing. It's just your yeah. thing, man. She likes it. Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> And there's no time, I think, in this movie to delve any deeper on things like that. No, no. I mean, this thing, like, I, um, before we started taping, Ronaldo, you said that this is a, um, like, densely packed movie, and it definitely is. <laughs> yeah, there's no time. They have to save Christopherson, so there's no time to explain <laughs> why she likes thunderstorms and whatnot. I mean. <laughs> there's just no time. We got to move. Which, so, yeah, Cousin Christopherson comes to town. That's another thing that I looked up is not in the book. He oh, doesn't exist not. as a character. Oh, really? Nope. So hmm. that was something they made for this, which, unsurprisingly, Christopherson, is, the name comes from Chris Christopherson. I was going to ask. <laughs> I don't know where else you would get that name. Yeah, that's definitely something Wes Anderson and the, hmm. the screenwriter decided that they wanted to throw into this. I feel like there were kind of two major stories happening at the same time. You obviously have like the main story of what's happening with Mr. Fox himself. But then you also have this side story of his son, Ash, feeling extremely competitive with his cousin, Christopherson, who's come to stay with them. And Christopherson is super mellow Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like doesn't really want to get involved with anything, with any of the rivalry or any of the theft or really anything. He just kind of wants to hang out. Yeah, and does meditation. And, and meditates, then... <laughs> yeah. Hold on, wasn't he younger. praying? Oh, no, that was yoga. <laughs> yeah, it was yoga. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, imagine, being a teenager is hard. Mm-hmm. Being a fox teenager must be way harder. <laughs> and then your cool cousin comes to live with you, and you have to share your own space, mm-hmm. right? That's, that must have been hard. Yeah, that's true, yeah. like your entire room. I mean, growing up as a teenager, that's your... That's, That's your space. All you have. Yeah. Well, and I thought I thought they did a good job of introducing it. It just kind of matter of factly said, "Oh, he's coming to stay with us," and he's like, "Well, where where is he going to be?" And he's like, "Oh, we're going to put him in your room." And he's like, "Oh, wait, what?" Like, <laughs> like he's just kind of informed this is happening, and right away when he shows up, you know, Ash is doing like a dive or something into the pool, and you know, his dad says, "Oh, like good dive, whatever." But it was like a giant splash, kind of like a little bit of a belly flop, and Chris Jefferson's just like, "And splish." <laughs> And you know what I'm saying? Like, just right out of the gate, just better. Yeah. It's pretty harsh. And his dad is really, really excited for Christopherson. <laughs> really Well, he excited. was a good diver for one thing. Oh, yeah. that's And that seems to be what Mr. Fox uh, values, is somebody who's talented like he is. Well, physically, specifically. Yes, physically talented like he is. 
Uh, so that actually comes up later when Ash is having a talk with his dad about whether his dad values him and his athletic ability. Do you think I'm an athlete? What are you talking about? Well, you know, I think I'm an athlete, and sometimes I feel like you guys don't see me that way. What's the subtext here? Is he praying? I think that's yoga. How long is Christopherson supposed to stay with us? Until your uncle gets better. Right, but roughly how long do we plan to give him on that? Double pneumonia? Isn't really that big of a deal, is it? Lower your voice, Ash. I like double pneumonia, too, as the, yeah. as the affliction. So yeah, Ash is kind of a it's kind of a jerk. But he's a teenager. He's a teenager. He's right. being threatened. Yeah. He's a little he has, world. He doesn't have a lot of sympathy for Christopherson, at least at first. There is the scene though where Christopherson comes into his room and is lying underneath the train set. Mm-hmm. And at least at that point, and that's very early on too, he feels like at least he'll come out and play with the train set and not make him sit underneath there alone. So I thought that was a nice touch too, where usually you have this arc of like, we hate each other, we hate each other, we hate each other, okay, now we love each other, or like we deal with each other. So you've got that whole sub-story dynamic going on. But the main one is that, so Mr. Fox has had this previous life as a poultry thief. I went with poultry because we do have chickens and ducks and and geese. Geese and squab. Oh, and squab, that's right. I forgot about the squab. Oh, Lord. Gotta bite them just once to kill them. Yes, <laughs> you're bite just once, just cleanly, yes. <laughs> so um, he's given up this life for his family, but then he puts his family back in this awkward position of being hunted again because he goes back into that life of, I guess, crime, in quotes, right? This dangerous life. So it's all about him deciding, you know, what are your, what is his obligation to his family? Well, it's, it's interesting, too, kind of how they get there. So... I mean, you do, like I said, you do this hop right from the opening sequence of, of him finding out that his wife is pregnant and, you know, them saying, oh, he's like, OK, I, you know, I'll, I'll play it safe. And he makes it two years and they live underground. And apparently like that is this odd catalyst. Like, I don't know if he really did decide that he didn't like living underground because it made him feel I think he said it made him feel poor or something. Yeah. Um, and so did he actually feel poor or did he, it was like there's no excitement living underground? I think he was bored. And then. They move on into this new place, which is much nicer, and then he sees the opportunity. Plus, you know, those cool banding hats were on, on sale, right? The banding hats were on <laughs> sale. Hats. You got to get a <laughs> few of those and see how cool you look. I love that everybody called them that, too. Like, it was a known thing. Like, oh, yeah, you want a bandit hat? Like, <laughs> <laughs> and there doesn't seem to be anybody discouraging mm-hmm. animal theft. Like, maybe stealing from other animals would be bad, but stealing from, like, farms and stuff is totally cool. Like, here, come get your bandit hats. Right. And so he doesn't know when he's moving out of the hole that he's going to go back to this life of crime, right? It's when he gets there and looks at the house and he looks out and is introduced to where the farmers are. Yeah. Well, maybe. Well, because when he goes to see his lawyer. Okay. Mr. Badger. Yes. And Badger totally plays him the creepy little kid song. Oh, yeah, no, that is true. And so he right. knows before. He's like, no, you don't want to move there, man. Like, don't do it. And they have a big fight about it. But at that point, he's already decided that he wants to move when he even goes there. So do you, th- you think he knows ahead of time that those farmers are there? Oh, I don't know. I or mean, do you I think, think that I... he decides he wants to move up with his family and then sees that the farmers are there and then decides to take the opportunity? I don't know. I almost think like he found the tree, doesn't necessarily know the farmers are there, gets informed that the farmers are there, you know, maybe from his lawyer or from whatever, and is like, well, no farmer's going to tell me where I am or I'm not going to live. I don't know. (laughs) So, yeah, it's it's kind of hard to tell. 
And I think it's it's somewhat important, I think, to figure out. Do you think it's just something that's dormant inside him that when he gets the opportunity, he does it? Or is this something he's seeking out? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know if it's just like a desire to move uh, into a tree, like whatever, above ground. Right. And then it, this tree just happens to present itself. <laughs> I don't know. I did find the whole the whole like real estate and like meeting with his lawyer or whatever. I found it totally ridiculous and really funny though. And I don't know if that's in the book or not. Like right. all the different jobs that everybody has and their suits <laughs> and their whatever. And like his contractor who's like doing the renovation. I don't know. The whole thing was just yeah. really very present day ridiculous. That's yeah. where a lot of the humor comes from in this movie is these characters are just like people except for this one moment where they suddenly aren't. Like he's eating food and like he can't eat it properly and he's it's thrown all over across the table or like the squirrels are super organized and good at building because they're squirrels. Or... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just little things like that. Or when they're, uh, there's a scene where um, Mr. Fox is fighting with his lawyer. I understand what you're saying and your comments are valuable, but I'm going to ignore your advice. The cuss you are. The cuss am I? Are you cussing with me? No, you cussing with me. Don't cuss and point. You're gonna cuss with somebody. You're not gonna cuss with me, you little cuss. Me. Just by the tree. Okay. I want to know if they made the actors make those sounds. Oh yeah, I think so. I think they had them getting all like foamy at the mouth and whatever. So because I watched it the second time and yeah, like I was listening. I'm like, is that Bill Murray? growling <laughs> i think it was it's really funny yeah. and ridiculous it must have been i i want i'm in my head i know how much i understand cognitively that most of the time people are recording their parts like separately but i like to think of them like in the same room and playing oh, yeah. off each other because yeah. i think it'd be really entertaining and fun and there was an interesting thing too that i read was that wes anderson took a lot of the voice actors out two different places to do the recording of lines. So rather than do it in studio, he'd take mm. them to a barn or he'd take them out in a field and they would oh, really? record their lines there. Hmm. Sounds like hipster nonsense to me, exactly. Charlie. No, I know it is. Like, <laughs> I'm not sure. Like, I guess you'd have to ask, ask actors whether or not it helped them out or not. Arnaldo, in terms of the decision or whatever that he makes, that he, he has to steal like one more time, do you think he's factoring in like any danger to his family? Well, he was keeping it from his wife. And yeah. um, I mean, there's like this internal fight with Mr. Fox, right? He's trying to, you know, just be the Fox family guy, right? He's taking care of his family. He's wearing this nice suit and everything, but he's still a wild animal. So he's a wild animal and he has these instincts and he wants to go after these birds and prove that he's very smart. Luckily, he finds a friend who he can easily manipulate and, <laughs> and get him to help <laughs> into these master plants. Um, but I don't know. He was think. I don't think that he was thinking about his family at all, right? You're right. His friend, um, who oddly is named Kylie, Kylie the opossum. Those were some of actually my favorite interactions <laughs> when he would like tell him something and they would show him just looking directly at him with his weird like swirly eyes and just no reaction. <laughs> like he would just say nothing. <laughs> He'd be like, "Are you? Are you listening to me? Can you?" Can you, like, just say something so I know that you're hearing me? Like, I, I really enjoyed those those interactions. I thought it was good. And uh, I loved when you said, like, the one bite to kill or whatever. I love when the possum's, like, gnawing on this, like, chicken's neck. Because, and he's like, I told you one bite. He's like, my teeth are different than yours or something like that. <laughs> like, he couldn't do it. <laughs> I also thought it was interesting, in addition to the, the clip you just played, Charlie, or clearly they... 
they don't swear. They say cuss. Cuss mm-hmm. can stand in for everything. But they also went off camera every time he kills a bird. Oh, yeah. You know, they would show feathers flying or you'd hear some sounds, but they, they would, you know, clearly that was too violent. So I, this is where I was thought it was kind of interesting whether or not this is a kid's movie or, you know, children could watch it because it's it's really not a storyline. I mean, while it's based on a children's book, I felt like the storyline wasn't, I don't know, kid friendly or certainly not little. Kid yeah. Friendly. Yeah. I mean, the fox gets his tail blown off at one point. Right. Yeah. Those makes ni- nice ties. Right. <laughs> yeah. And. Yeah, I, well, the first time I watched the movie, I just kind of got lost. There was so much going on. Had to watch it the second time. And then I knew that was Mr. Fox's mm-hmm. tail he was wearing as a tie. Like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> so in the end, he wants to recover that. And, you know, that tail is not going to just go back in there easily. So you need to take it on and off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the symbolism aspect of it, right? That's kind of his his pride as a fox, right? Sure. As it gets it gets blown off and it gets stolen from him and he, he feels the need to get it back. And, I totally understand yeah. that because that is, yeah. And then he does eventually get it back and it's all scraggly it's pretty <laughs> and detachable. But it's something. It right? is something. It's better than nothing. <laughs> but was, like, was it actually the son who tried to recover that yeah. tale to prove his worth and say, yeah. well, <laughs> I'm a smart fox. I can do this. I can you know, demonstrate that I... I'm worth of being Mr. Fox's son or something. Yeah. Right. It's definitely got an inferiority complex, which is reasonable considering the way you see that Mr. Fox treat him basically everywhere up until the end of the movie. I mean, I felt like the mom character, Mrs. Fox, um, that she's, you know, trying to make her son, like trying to reassure him that he's good the way he is, that he is a little different. But she's also the one who has to chastise him when he does something wrong. Mr. Fox doesn't do that. No, of course not. <laughs> so she's trying to play both roles at the same time. So I can kind of understand how. Yeah, there are no mothers that do that. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about the voices, like um, I think when you're listening to the clips, some of the sound clips that we're playing in the show, that it's like um, without seeing it, now just hearing it, you can really hear specific actors and be like, oh, yeah, that's, oh, yeah. you know, that's Jason Schwartzman, yeah. Meryl Streep, whatever, who was just, it was very quiet the whole time. Like, I think there's only a couple of times that she has any volume at all. Otherwise, she's pretty subdued. Yeah, I didn't pick up that it was Meryl Streep <laughs> until afterward when I looked up the, the cast credits. Everybody else I was able to pick up, but her, I think she was very underplayed, like in a good way. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. it was, it worked. And the fantastic Mr. Fox, I mean, you have this this dynamic of what opposites attract, whatever, because he's just so flamboyant and needs lots of attention and is, you know, always, you know, making speeches and whatever. And so it would make sense that she has this kind of like quiet reserve, more right. calm. Mm-hmm. But like a wild streak to her too. Yeah. Like that's that's in there, but she's done a good job of putting that aside. <laughs> you see that at the beginning. <laughs> I did. I did really enjoy. There's some reference to like her having gotten around oh, before they yeah. were together, which I thought was really oh, funny. Goodness. He's like, I mean, we've all done things or something. I don't remember <laughs> what he says, but it was a very adult, like yeah. a little throwaway line. <laughs> so there's a, a rat played by Willem Dafoe. Uh, yeah. He makes a, a slight little, uh, a slight little insult at Mr. Fox's <laughs> wife. How's your old lady doing? You refer to my wife? She was the town tart in her day. Wild and footloose and pretty as a mink stole. Is that true? Of course not. I mean, certainly she lived. We all did. It was a different time. Let's not use a double standard. She marched against them. But town tart? Shut up. I think I think the timing of the line delivery is really key through oh, yeah. for, for the humor in a lot of this because it is more subtle. Yeah, and it goes by so quick. I mean, that's 
an action sequence. This was sort of like suspenseful buildup to the point where the rat attacked all these sort of witty lines going back and forth at the same time. It is. And he has this knife and he looks pretty dangerous. Yeah. He looks pretty and then that reminds you of something you don't play with electricity. <laughs> yes. All those fences, they can't kill you. Yeah, That's no, right. I it, thought that was interesting that they did show them get shocked several times, yep. actually. Yeah, you can see some bones. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> X-ray vision. <laughs> and they established earlier what that sign means. Well, they got hurt. It was painful, yeah. but they didn't die. They didn't die. Yeah. <laughs> so there's death in this movie, too. It's true. There is death in this movie. I forgot about the rat dying. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I don't know there was there was some some rather elaborate schemes. So, so like that's something we should definitely talk about is the the how elaborate the plans. You know, there's master plan A and B and whatever, and there's parts to plans like parts one, two, and three, and all of this. But I mean, they're relatively elaborate. You're making fake blueberries that can drug <laughs> that yep. can drug beagles, and right away from the beginning, you know that one of the beagles is rabid. Yeah, and that's when you don't have that blueberry because you forgot. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Um, There's upsides to having Kylie as an accomplice and downsides. (laughs) You won't talk, but you won't do anything right either. No, no, it was pretty great. I liked just, I don't know, some some of the how elaborate the plans were that, or that Mr. Fox was always convinced his plan was the best and it would almost always be very elaborate. So you're going to want to do like a jump, spin, something whatever off this thing blah blah blah, and he's like can we just go through there there are no obstacles through there he's like oh (laughs) yeah yeah we can do that things like that that i thought were pretty great so we've talked a little bit about you know what sort of so there's death in this movie and there's him killing chickens but not on screen and then the quote-unquote cussing so do we think this is a movie that is appropriate for kids or not? It's not even appropriate, but do you think it's something that children would watch? Because I don't know. I think they would probably be bored. I thought I don't, you know, I thought it was like a kid movie. It's gonna be like Lion King, whatnot. And, mm-hmm. But it's not. It's a very different story. It's not it's not a kind of cute story. I guess thinking as an adult, it makes me uh think about what's the relationship we have with wild animals and why I mean, they have to find their food. And of course, that's sometimes our food. Mm-hmm. They try to outsmart us, um, but we have to kind of live together. And that's what I thought, right? I was thinking about it. And there's a scene about the wolf, which I, you know, it made me think about it for a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So is, is this wolf, uh, Canis lupus, <laughs> a real creature? Is this an animal that exists? Because nobody has seen one until oh, the very yeah. end of the movie. He makes this comment like about, you're not going to like the winter. Hi, I'm <laughs> Mr. Fox, right? But he's actually there and it's real, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. There's been a couple of mentions about wolves earlier in the movie too, right? Him saying that he was worried when Kylie had not warned him, but just mentioned the word wolf earlier. Mm-hmm. He's like, why? Why are you talking about it? Where? Yeah. Interesting to have that pop up at the end. And what, I mean, what do you think is the point of having that wolf there? Because it was very supposed to be emotionally <laughs> resonant moment ended up being pretty pretty silly and funny at the same time well i i I liked it um like you said the build-up i think it gets mentioned two three two or three times the you know wolf or whatever is mentioned it's always a conversation with kylie and the opossum is 
talks about how afraid he is of wolves. And Mr. Fox makes a point of not saying he's afraid of them, that they make him uncomfortable. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not afraid. Oh, like, I'm fine. I'm not afraid. And so for me, I guess I was thinking of kind of the dynamic in, in real life between wolves and foxes. I mean, wolves are obviously, obviously larger, going to be faster. I, know, I mean, I don't know that wolves go out of their way to hunt foxes or anything like that. Right. But you can see where there'd be a dynamic where... I don't know, a wolf would be able to best, be able to best a fox. All right. So at that scene, we pause for a minute. Everybody kind of stops talking for a little bit. He does the the fist. Well, because he's trying to communicate with him. (laughs) He's trying to communicate with him, right? Yeah. That's the way that they can communicate with each other. Yeah. So what is the wolf supposed to be? Well, in my head, I thought the wolf would be like this huge, beautiful animal who's, you know, everybody's scared of. And he's going to, you know, he's on top of the of the food chain. Mm-hmm. But that one wolf looks like, you know, he looks pretty tired. Looks scraggly, yeah. It looks like he could use a few of those chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely did. To eat more, not very scary. I was trying to, you know, learn the new environment and feel comfortable. Because I was yeah. expecting that this relationship yeah. of like this huge wolf is going to scare everyone. That's why you don't have to look back. He's there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I he's think- not. There were a couple of what, I, I, what I'm going to refer to as fourth wall moments. These animals are very similar to people. They're civilized. You know, they're wearing clothes. They have jobs. There's lawyers. You know, that kind of stuff. So this is the first animal you encounter that's just a wild animal. And so when you first see him, he's not wearing clothes. Mr. Fox tries to talk to him and he doesn't understand. And so he's truly just an animal and not this humanized, civilized version of an animal. And then the other fourth wall thing, and thinking about this, again, with the kind of humanized animals, is that there's a point at which um, when they when they meet in the town for the showdown um, and they shout up out of the manhole cover, it, speaking to the humans and the humans answer them back. Like they have right. a conversation. And so you're like, oh, OK, so they can speak English and the humans can talk to them in this reality. And so I thought those two things were really interesting that this group of animals or whatever these humanized animals really aren't fully humans and they're really not fully animals either in this land that's been created do you think that works do you think there's i didn't find that i had any confusion the whole time though about how it worked like there's the dogs too right mm-hmm. where they're just they're just dogs they're just dogs there's regular dogs the chickens are chickens but these other woodland creatures are like human slash Hybrids. animals yeah. yeah ended up working but yeah when you're done and you look back at it there's kind of some questions about it like why they chose to do all of that well it, to me it makes me think then that there's somewhat of a choice there's a choice to of... participate as a oh, humanized animal like does mr fox identify with the wolf because there's a part of him that would like to it's be wild that. right yeah 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 as opposed to those dogs being domestic animals yeah. and having a different relationship with the humans oh yeah yeah, that's true. Well, that's true. The wolf didn't understand English or Latin. <laughs> yeah, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't understand Latin, which, I mean, come on, dude. <laughs> he tried. <laughs> it was a nice moment. It was It was definitely, I, I think, you know, supposed to be kind of a climax type moment. You had two different things happen. Like I said, you know, we have the, the getting getting Christopherson back. Obviously, that's a big climax. You know, Ash has this great moment of actually being able to be the rescuer. And so you have that story kind of climax and resolve. And you have them being safe from, you know, the farmers who are just doing everything in their power to hunt them down. But then you also have this kind of him reconciling with his wild counterpart. Yeah. And that's something the first time I went through the movie, I didn't really get. Does Mr. Fox really learn 
anything this whole time. The first time there was a couple of scenes I missed where it was like, you're just putting your family in danger. And then eventually you use another clever plan, just like you've always used clever plans to get yourself out of the situation that you put yourself in. So now where are we? We're like kind of back at the beginning. But I guess he's maybe in this sort of hybrid place. He does have, end, he has one good where, speech. Yeah. Where he actually apologizes and recognizes that he put everybody in harm's way. And so I don't know that he's necessarily learned something, but at least in that moment. Because so at the end, he they're in the supermarket, right? So he's decided to choose this way of stealing that's less dangerous than the way he used. To, so he's still stealing things. Yeah. But it's kind of a compromise. Like, I'm still going to steal stuff, but at least I'm going to do it in a way that doesn't hurt my community and is a bit safer. Yeah. Yeah, and he's very know. considerate, thinking yeah. that those bunnies they eat vegetables. So you yeah, know, that's still true. He's thinking about the rest. You gotta of the think about you know point. getting some carrots and stuff. Yeah. Like which he's endangered throughout the whole movie. He doesn't even think about the consequences. Not only to his family, but everyone else around him. Yeah, and that actually wasn't expecting. You know, he steals big from each of the farmers in succession. And I did find it entertaining at the very beginning and trying to keep it from his wife, make it seem like he bought all of this at the store. Like he has like <laughs> tags on them or something like that. Like it was a little little entertaining and so when he moved on to the cider i'm like how are you gonna yeah. lie about that one yeah because they're separate they're separate human and animal stores she was like how did you get this chicken from the store it was it was labeled and he was like oh it must have gotten out and then caught and then went to our <laughs> animal store yeah it's kind of a weird it was very like, sketchy. sideways explanation yeah i guess it's supposed to be but. yeah yeah he was not very good at lying no he's no. a liar for his like clever and his athletic and wily as he is he didn't think through the end part very well about yeah how to that was it. actually and that was something that you see again and again with his plans like he would get all the way into something before he thought about how you're going to get back out oh right even in the first one you know he has the blueberries and he has the whatever and he didn't know the fence was going to be there and so he's like no no we can use this tree and we can get back over and then when they're escaping the opossum's like uh how do we get over the fence and he's like he has no plan. They just get electrocuted as they climb up the <laughs> fence because he doesn't think through the whole the whole plan. It seemed like from the beginning that his wife, when they were stealing together, like she kind of rounded out his plans that he would kind of start them and she would try to think of oh, the, like, yeah. where could this fall apart? Um, and he kind of kind of needs that. <laughs> yeah, well, Possum didn't, wasn't as good of a team member. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Fox was smart, but he was a bit red reckless right and that got him into big trouble from the beginning of the movie yeah i was really surprised when when he does these big scores or whatever and then i'm expecting that the farmers will retaliate like when he got his tail shot off i was like okay but then when it started to get really extreme i was like oh my gosh they're dumping like crazy resources into killing this one fox it was it was interesting to me to see the commitment on the side of the farmers and then also with how big it got it wasn't just affecting Mr. Fox's family in their tree. Now it's affecting their entire and It was a big deal. It was on community. live TV all the time. This farmer's oh, yeah, going after true. the foxes. It's a big deal of the community, the human community as well. <laughs> true, true. I had forgotten about that part. It was on the news a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so you have this this huge impact on the on the community and and Mr. Fox, I think, having to come to the realization of the consequences of his actions. Yeah. I liked it. I also liked the underground network idea. I thought that was actually a really clever twist. I loved even just the, again, with the same thing, like how you're talking about how the plans, um, Arnaldo, you're saying like the plans you can see, like here's master plan A. I also liked the side view of the tunneling. 
to be able to see like here's above ground, here's underground, and here's them like making all their little network of tunnels between. No, that's really fantastic. <laughs> it was fantastic. <laughs> it's just not the literal representation of what they're doing. They're all digging, but they're digging in single file. Yes. So it's not possible for the person in the back to be digging. <laughs> Only the person in front. So. Eh. And then the dances. Yeah. Oh lord, the, the dancing dances. was great. Yeah. <laughs> very very Wes Anderson. <laughs> very much so. Jessica, have you read anything by Roald Dahl before? I have. You have? Okay. Have. What's your favorite Roald Dahl book? Um, I'm actually trying to remember the name of it. It was the um, the one where the, the kid decides, it's terrible, the one where the kid decides he's going to poison his, his grandmother. She's horrible and mean and old, and so he makes that crazy concoction where he pours, like, everything in the house into this giant cauldron. Oh, I don't you know. know what what, I, oh, yeah. I'm going to look it up. Hold on. I'm sorry. I wasn't prepared for my question. <laughs> that's, that's all right. <laughs> Because I, I, can't, I can't remember the name of it, but I remember as a kid thinking it was brilliant and awful. And Yeah, because that's the thing about that was weird about this movie is that if you read Roald Dahl books, they're all really violent and yeah. unusual in a way that this movie actually takes out. Like when it doesn't show you the chickens getting killed, like it's kind of weird. But then you've got like the BFG where the giants come in the middle of the night and steal children from orphanages and eat them. <laughs> well, I mean, and Matilda has some pretty dark themes yeah, too. Matilda is pretty, yeah. pretty awful. I mean, she discovers that she has powers because she's like cornered, basically. Right. You and know, her, yeah. By her, her horrible teacher and, and her, her teacher, parents are yeah. awful. Yeah. And Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, of course, all the children you think are being killed in the Chocolate Factory. At least at the end, it turns out that they, they weren't. Spoiler alert. What? Charlie, you just ruined that for me. <laughs> no, Augustus Gloop did not drown George's, in a river of chocolate. George's Marvelous Medicine is oh, the book yeah. I was thinking of. That's yeah. an old one I didn't remember. Um, but yeah, it, uh, it's inventive, I guess. I don't know. It's it's kind of bizarre. But I remember reading that book and really, really liking it, like rereading that book as yeah. a kid. And Matilda, too, actually. It was actually kind of weird to see this movie and, and have some of those themes kind of taken out. And it's like... A lot of that was replaced by Wes Anderson stuff. And I still think the movie really works I did very too. well. I would recommend it. Yeah, I would recommend it as well. But I don't know, Arnaldo, how do you think the movie works as a whole? I had fun watching it. Yeah. I um, One of the things that I really liked is the attention to detail. Yeah. And that's very Wes Anderson, yes. right? Yeah. So no surprises there. But we look at the four of those animals, looks like they really put a lot of time and effort into making them look legit. Yeah. Um, the music is good. Um, there are some good jokes, too. I would so. say the jokes are pretty, like, there's, I, would, I cracked up more than I thought I would. And this is stuff the kids wouldn't laugh at. Mm-hmm. It's really a movie for, I would recommend it for people who are I think, I think maybe a teenager. I think that kids that are older, like over the age of 10, 12, could enjoy this movie on a level, you know, just th- focusing on the, oh, he's stealing chickens and being outsmarted and like that kind of a thing. But there's obviously, like you said, jokes. I mean, come on, questioning his his wife's uh, yeah. <laughs> early his wife's early reputation. years, her racy years or whatever. Like that's <laughs> that's definitely more more aimed for the adults. And I, I really did like the the takeaway there of, you know, we, we can debate about how much he learned, but I liked the emphasis on the consequences of your actions and about community. I think my favorite kind of rallying point is, um, you know, he has this great speech like we talked about where he acknowledges um, the consequences of his actions. But then they decide he's like, you know what? We're all wild animals like this is and this is where he starts listing everybody's names off in Latin. But basically, like we all have strengths. We all have things that we can play to. And even that scene was great because some of them were strengths you'd have as an animal. And some of them were just like 
bizarre humanized yeah. traits, <laughs> like being an explosive ex- expert or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> but it was a great, like, using your community. Like, let's everybody pool our efforts. Let's Let's do what we can here. It was pretty awesome. So, Arnaldo, being a big... Wes Anderson fan, um, you know, did it remind you of the other other films? Well, it's it's it, it's different in a way because it's more like an animated movie. But yeah, the aesthetics, the colors, the way those characters are dressed, and they have you know particular idiosyncrasies. I thought it was different from other movies that I, that just immediately come to mind, like Life Aquatic, or when I think about Moonrise Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was less centered in music, like, you know, some of the other music, uh, movies made by him before. But it's inevitable. I mean, he has, you, you have to think about the way he makes movies. And it's, it's similar in a way to other works he has done. And there's, there's not a single movie that comes to mind. I'll say, well, it really reminded me a lot of this particular movie. I think the Mr. Fox character reminds me a little bit of Royal Tenenbaum in that he doesn't think about the consequences of his actions. He doesn't think about the choices, how the choices he's making and how it's impacting his, his family, where yeah. he's kind of a jerk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously, in, in Royal Tenenbaum's Gene Hackman's character is like a much bigger jerk <laughs> than mm-hmm. Mr. Fox's. But you know what I'm saying? He's kind of a jerk. He's a little bit self-centered and doesn't necessarily see the scope until way later in the story and then and then does some good. Yeah, there's a lot of common themes in his movies about fathers and daughters and sons and their interaction and the father being kind of a jerk and then them all coming to terms with each other in some way or another. So yeah, I definitely I definitely agree. I didn't really think about that when I was watching the movie. It's a little less of a dysfunctional family in this movie than yes. it is in right. the Royal Tenement. Exactly. Of course, of course. It's Mr. Fox has the dysfunction. <laughs> everyone <laughs> well, else has to But everybody else is kind of normal. Well, and I think that I mean Wes Anderson likes to deal with, you know, a little bit of the existential why am I doing what am I doing? Who am I? That kind of a thing. So now that you've watched this film, would you recommend this to other people to watch? Who would you recommend it to? I would recommend this to mostly adults or maybe, you know, like you were talking about older kids. I don't think it's a movie for young kids. It's just it's just too dense. There's so much going on. And uh, I don't think it's it was made as a children movie. That's my opinion. Uh, if you like Wes Anderson, if you haven't seen it, I definitely would recommend it. I mean, that was my experience. I like the other uh, movies he has made. And this one, for some reason, I just decided not to watch a while ago. And, and I really enjoyed it. Didn't it win something? <laughs> um, I think it got some nominations. But another movie that came out in the same year was Up. So oh. it didn't end up winning a whole lot. In fact, a lot of people didn't end up going to see this movie either. I think it might have made up its money, but not by a whole heck of a lot. Hmm. I remember seeing this in theaters. I remember Carl remembered seeing this with me. Of course you did. Of course, yeah. Well, it's Wes <laughs> Anderson, so I figured I had to. And stop motion animation, of course. Well, stop motion animation is pretty, pretty rad. I mean, it just kills me how to think about how much time. It's a crazy labor of love and patience. Right, exactly. Especially when you don't have to do anything like that today. <laughs> can make something that looks really nice that's just pay some animators to do it exactly <laughs> right in a yeah. in a computer but i mean it it paid off yeah. oh, it looked fantastic um so arnaldo since you've graciously watched a movie we recommended to you uh now it's your turn to tell the world something you think they should watch wow that's always a tough question really. yeah it's like it asking me what my favorite movie is because i like <laughs> a lot and many different genres um uh, i was thinking about it the Coen Brothers. One that I particularly like is um, No Country for All Men. Really good movie. It's actually one of my favorite 
movies. It's like, or we can go to the basics and watch Fargo. Funny you mentioned the Coen brothers. I'm assuming your line of thought was similar to mine in that, you know, Wes Anderson has, you know, a lot of repeat actors that he works with. Bill Murray and um, Owen Wilson, you know, with George Clooney being in this one, it made me think of the Coen brothers and some of the some of the work he's done with them. So that was kind of how my brain was working too, been thinking up thinking of a recommendation. I don't know. It's got to be something interesting as a director to have such an incredible mark that your work is just immediately known. You know what I'm saying? And, and I feel that both Wes Anderson and the Coen brothers definitely have yeah, a definitely feel. True, yeah. Of, yeah, it's like having Tarantino being, Tarantino, you know, yes. playing a small part of his own movies, right? Yeah. Oh. Yes. So much so that at least I know for Wes Anderson, but probably even the Coens, you can make like a comedy bit where you make like a pretend movie that they've supposedly made. And I know SNL's done that at least mm-hmm. at least once or twice, right? So I saw, I actually, I think I saw a clip or something that I was looking up something on the, I don't even remember what I was looking for. I was looking for a specific SNL sketch. And so I happened upon one where they did that, where they did a, like took a movie and then they showed it as if it was made by Wes Anderson, as if it was made by, as if it was made by like all these different um, directors that have very definite stamps. And that's the double-edged sword to it too, where... I mean, I know Adam, in addition to the fact that this is based on a book that he really loved and it's being changed, it's that having that very specific feel to your movies, like if you don't like it, then that's it. Like you can't watch something by that director. You're not going to win over that audience. Right. So that's kind of the other side of it, too. If people don't like you, then they're not going to like anything you do unless you mix it up. So. I'm desperately trying to come up with a oh, recommendation. I got one. Yeah, go uh, for it. This is a weird recommendation. It just so a couple of times during the movie they played the Beach Boys, and that just made me think of a movie that came out a couple of years ago called Love and Mercy, which was it was a drama about Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys, and it's played in two different time periods. One is when he's making the album Pet Sounds, and that version of him is played by Paul Dano. And then much later in his life, it's played by John Cusick. And I think they actually both do a really good job in the movie. It's one of these weird ones that when I went to see it, I didn't think it was really going to work. Having the two actors that look don't really look very similar and don't necessarily look like Brian Wilson at all, both giving very sort of different performances at the same time in the same movie. But I thought it ended up working really well. So that's when I would suggest people go out and see. And I know that's very ancillarily related to this movie but like early on when mr and mrs fox were catching chickens they had a beach boys song playing called heroes and villains and for some reason that made me think of this movie and i couldn't stop thinking about this movie through the entire thing so fair now hopefully it's out of my system <laughs> right right one of the aspects about this movie that i really enjoyed that i think provided a lot of comic relief was uh how elaborate the plans were and the fact that you get to watch you know kind of in sequence the plans being laid out and uh um, kind of a nod to to my father. I'm going to recommend uh, The Great Escape. Oh, an yeah, oldie, that's an fun. oldie but a goodie, but obviously <laughs> a very well planned out yeah. um, escape plan, but a very elaborate. And it's movies, movies I watch with my father. A lot of a lot of <laughs> miscellaneous World War II <laughs> themed it's true. movies. It's a movie a lot of people have watched with their fathers. For exactly. Good reason. It's yes, no, it's a very good movie. <laughs> Well, Arnaldo, thank you very much for being on the show. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. Now I'm thinking Bill Murray movies too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I yeah. know. Well, that wraps it up. Thanks so much for joining us. We had a great time. Hope you really enjoyed it. And don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Instagram to hear us discuss more movies and television shows that you really should have already been watching.
there was a scene where there's a plane going by in the movie and that's because there was a boat going by them they couldn't get it out of the sound so they just were like well i guess we're gonna put a plane in the movie in the background of the scene <laughs> that's hilarious i didn't read that There's some of the uh, downsides of recording outside which is why we're in a nice uh closed off <laughs> room right now not enjoying the fall weather yeah it's very it's bumming me out is it yeah i don't feel like i can record nearly as well because i'm not outside <laughs> i'm not inspired well next episode we'll find a nice outdoor movie <laughs> <laughs> and we record everything outdoors. Everything outside. Bird stances with wolves. No, I'm just I'm picking, making that up. <laughs> We're going to go sit at the zoo by the buffalo. <laughs> anyway, 